Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, I am Alex Weiss, or A-dubs on the internet. Welcome to episode two of Revealing Your Secrets, the podcast. As promised, I have invited my therapist here to join me today in going through your secrets. I wanted to get some professional insight on subjects that I am not equipped to handle myself. This is Meredith Levy. Hello. Calling you my therapist is like a half-truth. Would you say? I would say. I think it could go either way. It's like a fifth of a truth. It's like a a little bit of a truth. And it's a little bit of a lie. It's a little bit of a lie. I mean, we have worked together in a client therapist fashion in the past. A while ago. A while ago. You specialize in DBT therapy. Dialectical behavioral therapy. It's a combination of cognitive behavioral therapy, which is changing your thoughts and feelings to change your behavior, sort of, with Zen Buddhism. I tried CBT before and nothing really worked for me until I tried DBT. So I'm a fan. Yay. It genuinely changed my life. Mm, That's awesome. Yeah. Especially when it came to like emotional regulation. I feel like I was like a very impulsive person. Definitely can help with that. Yeah. Before I learned skills, which hopefully we'll share with you guys. Yeah. If relevant. Yeah. So you were born and raised in LA. I sure was. (laughs) You've been practicing therapy for 10 years. Yeah, at least 10, 10 years. Yeah, around there. So you tried different areas, but now you work specifically with addiction, mood disorders, personality disorders, and executive functioning problems. Yes, I love I love helping people organize and like, you know. Manage yes. their lives. Yeah, it's great. For a second, I thought you were going to be like, I love problems. <laughs> like, <laughs> I love people who well, have that, problems. That too. You, you do, though. I do. It pays the bills. Yeah, I will. And I want them to not have the problems anymore or problems are going to be there. I want to help them like react differently to the problems. No one's ever done with therapy though. No, never. But you can take breaks. I'm taking a break now. You are? Yeah. Okay. (sighs) Yeah. Are you like I shouldn't be? (laughs) I mean, (laughs) try not to do the shouldn'ts, but yeah, at some point it'll, it'll, you know, it'll come back around for me. That's a skill that is in DBT to not... uh, should all over yourself? Not should all over yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Which is ironic because I say, oh, I shouldn't, should, or shouldn't. Yeah. So it's complicated. Yeah. Anyways, I asked you for some more information about you, and there's this stuff I didn't know, which was very interesting, that you've been a lawyer. Yeah. Received yep. your MBA. You failed out of school. Yeah. And have been in treatment yourself. Yeah. All true. All of which I kind of want to probe you more about, but probably not yet. Okay. I want to make the audience like work for it. Yeah. I hear that. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to work for it. You know what? Everyone should have to work to learn more about me little by little. Yeah, I agree about you specifically. Specifically. (laughs) Just me. (laughs) Nobody else. Okay. So you're also, you do another podcast called Your Mental Breakdown with your friend, Doug Friedman. I do. I listened to the podcast. It was really interesting. From my understanding, the purpose of starting the podcast was to destigmatize what it means to be a therapist and to be in therapy. Yeah. So do for sure. Do you want to explain what the podcast format is? So Doug has a client that he does his actual sessions with 
um, records them audio and he's given permission and um, we change his name. So you listen to the whole session with Doug and then Doug and I break it down and talk about it. And I give my thoughts and maybe how I would have done things differently or what I agree with or questions. And and for entertainment purposes, I think we have to legally say that. For entertainment purposes, yes. Like we're not your therapist and we don't, won't give you direct advice, but there's definitely, it's a real therapy session. So there's definitely stuff to take away from it. So one more piece of information that you gave me that I wanted to ask you about. Yeah. It's really important. Yeah. You told me that you sleep with a stuffed animal. I do. Every night. Yeah. Okay. What is the animal and does it have a name? It can be any animal. Well, and sometimes if I don't have one, I'll like sleep with a sweatshirt or something. Like if I'm out of town somewhere, it just has that. It's like that thing of, okay, you know, I guess, I don't know if you had one when you were little, but like, I just have that thing where it's like something's supposed to be in there. And by the way, having a human in my bed does not do the same thing. I still have to have the thing. So first teddy bear, which I do still have, but he's not I shouldn't be sleeping with him. His name Dee Dee. You shouldn't be sleeping. Do you guys have a toxic relationship? <laughs> we do. No. He's like really old and dirty. Okay. So I don't sleep with him anymore. Okay. Um, and then the one I sleep with now, well, one is called Roundy. He's like this little round smushy pig. Oh. And I put him like under my head. And then the other one is, her name's Ellie. I don't know. She came like that. And she's a stuffed Shit, I literally can't remember. I'm so sorry, Ellie. Right? <laughs> Are you just freezing? Yeah. What is Ellie? Maybe she doesn't want to be identified in any specific oh, way. I think she's an elephant. Ellie okay. the elephant. That would make that, sense. Yeah, that is her. And so then she gets tucked <laughs> under my arm. So it seems like the uh, the thing itself doesn't matter. It's it's not an emotional attachment. It's like a physical yeah. requirement. Yeah, it is. Got it. Yeah. Just a human doesn't do it for me either. In fact, I I don't want to touch a human. You're not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you know why? Because teddy bears or stuffed animals don't snore. Yeah. They don't steal all the covers. They don't breathe. <laughs> they do not breathe. <laughs> they don't make it too warm. Like, this is a judgment. I think, you know, when you relate to someone in certain ways so you kind of project your own feelings onto them yeah i take you as someone who also is like don't touch me while i'm sleeping oh, am I, I wrong no no i am uh, i'll i can start out that way but i will certainly move i'm i have a king size bed like stay the fuck on the other side yeah am i allowed to swear yeah you can swear okay thank god because that would be I weird i don't know can she swear Okay. You can swear. Because that would be hard for me to be here if I can't. <laughs> we're talking about like really dirty, dark things. And they're like, no, you can't say fuck. Yeah, that would be weird. Okay, that's I really needed to know that information. Ellie the elephant, something. Roundy. Roundy the round pig. Smushy pig. <laughs> okay. Maybe you can bring him in sometime. I absolutely will. <laughs> Next time. You don't have to. No, no. I would like it. I will. Hi, Alex. I don't know if you're going to put fucked up secrets in your videos, but um, here is mine. <laughs> so basically, whenever I was about 10 or 11, I would go on Omegle and weird online chat rooms where I'd find these like, I don't, I don't know whether or not to call them pedophiles or straight up predators, but there were like 40 year old men and I would tell them I was like 12 or 13, which I was 10 or 10, like, slash 11. I do it, like, mostly through those ages. Um, But, yeah, I, and they knew that, and I would send, like, nudes and stuff, and they would send back, and, you know, they would, like, you know, make me feel really special or whatever. And 
I mean, I feel like it's my fault for going out and like searching for that. But I've been like, I had a reason and I didn't really know any better because I've been like gay all my life and I've never really felt like I've had that attention like sexually from anybody. I know it's like weird talking about <laughs> that, like involving like a 10 or 11 year old. I'm not that age anymore. But yeah, I thought like what I was doing was love. And but yeah, now I'm talking about it with my therapist and I think I'm getting better. So yeah, but that's my secret. Yikes. <laughs> okay, well, I have questions for you. Yeah. I feel like it's actually not that uncommon for kids to have like a compulsive desire to be sexualized. Is that wrong? I guess if I'm trying to create an environment where people are open, I'll be honest. I have some sexual trauma as a child. And so I have always attested like my own that I've had feelings similar to what this kid experienced. And I always thought it was just because of my trauma. But then I've been doing this secret series for years. And it seems like it's actually kind of common for kids to like seek stuff out like this. So to want to be sexualized, is that what you said? Yeah. Because, I mean, I I wonder if kids would even be aware of that. That's what that, it is. That that's what it is. I think it's, I mean, it's definitely common as a kid to experiment sexually. More like humping your teddy bear or like. Kissing your friend. Kissing your friend. Like, yeah, for sure. Like. Let me see yours. I'll show you mine type thing. Mm -hmm. You're probably not old enough to remember, but when my when we were young, there was like a 976 phone number you could call. It was like a dirty phone number where you could have like phone sex, phone, like phone ch group chats or like phone sex. Wow. Yeah. And it was literally like $100 a minute. I don't even remember. <laughs> so everyone used to get in so much trouble from their parents for calling. <laughs> It was because you, like, didn't need a credit card. It would bill your phone bill. Okay. So, you know, I think everyone at some point wants to, like, there's taboo things that they sort of want to engage in. Did you? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> I definitely made out with my friend in, like, second grade and, like, humped my teddy bear and called 976 numbers. For sure. Same. Yeah. But different, but same. Yeah. So how is this any different, like, in, in the world we live in now? Is that, is this not, like, equivalent to calling nine, whatever you said? From the kit, from the, from our caller's point of view. Yeah. Totally get it. hundred yeah. percent. It's not that different from the person engaging with a, what they think is a 10, 11, 12, 13 year old. Yeah, that's a whole other thing. Nudes. That is all very, very, very illegal. Yeah. Just... So everyone knows. Don't even Google child porn. Yeah. Like, just don't do it. From his point of view, though, yeah. that I, it's not uncommon to want attention in whatever way. Yeah. And he did say love. Like, I don't even know if he processed yeah. that it was sexual at the time. Yeah. No, for sure. And, and I wonder if that's even how I felt now that I think back at it. I'm sure. I don't, I don't, yeah. I think that it's really hard for us to, tap into our sexuality as a kid like you kind of know something made you feel good like warm and fuzzy but then I think you also know when something doesn't sit well with you the responsibility undoubtedly falls on the like predatory person engaging yes because the kid doesn't really even understand what they're doing right but as the per as a child who who you have like this conscious awareness that you put yourself in that situation like 
I feel like there's like a shame around it because it's oh, like, yeah. yeah, it was wrong on them, like no matter what. But I yeah. did put myself there. Yeah, yeah. No, there's a lot of shame, I think, for sure. And any even if you're sexually assaulted, well, kid or otherwise, there's a lot of shame, I think, because people are like, did I put myself in that position? Yeah. And I don't want anyone to know because now there's something wrong with me. I mean, I think this is a, definitely a deep, dark secret that I'm glad he's talking to his therapist about. Me too. For sure. What's something people can do to work through shame in relation to sexual traumas? I mean. Like, it's too much. It's, it's too huge. That's huge. Um, hu talking about it with your therapist? Yeah. Definitely good. Yeah. And just trying to accept, like, can't change the past. And so moving forward, not making different choices that it was your decision, but how you perceive it. You know, that's a lot of the CBT part is changing your, you know, thoughts and feelings to change your behaviors. So it would be like this person changing their perception of themselves mm -hmm. from the ex from the experience, like an, an empathy for their child self. Totally. Yeah. How do you know what type of therapy to prescribe to someone in this specific scenario? I don't think there's one specific therapy for any specific scenario. So, you know, psychoanalysis, like real psychoanalysis the sort of Freud where you lay on a couch and you do it five days a week and you just talk. Mm -hmm. um, I, from that to to DBT, to just talk therapy, to um, somatic therapy, sand therapy, which is like little toys in the sand type. I mean, there's so Whoa. many things. I want to try it all. It's I, I really want to try it all. I keep thinking about that. Like gestalt therapy. I mean, there's so many different kinds. And there's not one, I think, that wouldn't work for all different scenarios. I think it's sort of what you connect with and maybe just trying a couple different things. Yeah, that's that's what I did. I did therapy that just didn't work until I found DBT. And it depends on the therapist a lot, too, the connection that you have. That's true. That's huge. Yeah. And sometimes you outgrow your therapist. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yep. I've had to break up with a therapist before. I have, too. Yeah. Yeah. Which is so funny. I was nervous to do it, but it's like this is a, the safest place to break up with anyone. And if your therapist does not respond well to that, that's a huge problem for them. Yeah. Like, and a good sign that it's good that, that you're leaving that therapist. To move on, <laughs> yeah. for sure. Speaking of moving on. Hi, Alex. Um, so basically, I submitted the secret a little while back, um, but like, never got read. So it's like, hey, I'll try again. And it's like, not exactly my secret to chat, but like, it's anonymous. So nobody's going to. Um, no, he's going to know. And um, so basically, this was four months ago. So during December, I was um, I was on a school trip and staying in a room with three other guys, um, one of which was one of my good friends. And then the other two were like two of the popular guys. And... Um, we were only there for one night, and um, in the middle of the night, I woke up. I wake up and see the most popular guy in my year group and my class. Um, well, I don't know exactly how to phrase this. Pleasuring himself, um, and he was uh, he was like sitting there with like his finger up his ass, kind of like moaning another guy's name. Um, and his whole reputation is built on being like homophobic. If you're homophobic, you're probably gay. Um, and like, I don't know, I haven't said anything. 
to anyone because like I'm not a horrible person. But yeah, just wanted to get it off my chest. Also, I love your videos. Wow. So at the end, he sang a little ditty. Did you hear that? I, I wasn't sure what happened there. Yeah. So, okay. I um I have to perform something for you so you have the context. Okay. There's this song I do on my channel. It's an original. Um, <laughs> And I'll just sing it for you. Okay. And then you can, we'll talk about it. Okay. Okay. Here it is. Okay. One, <laughs> one, two, three, four. Okay. Um, I'm nervous, actually. <laughs> I'm nervous to sit this close and have you sing to me. I just want you to know that. So. Okay. Okay. Um, all right. Because um, what if you're really bad? I, I'm not. It's not about the quality okay. of my singing. Okay. It's, the okay. Con it's just listen to the words. Okay. You know what I mean? Okay. okay. Um, I actually can't look at you. Okay. Um, <laughs> if you're homophobic, you're probably gay. You say that it's disgusting, but really you just want some pussy or some butt play. If you're homophobic, you're probably just gay. First of all, you have a really good voice. Thank you. I'm shocked. Is that a thing? I was a theater kid. Oh, so my. So I've had some practice. That is a really, you have a great voice. Oh, my God. Also, wow. Did you just make that up one day? Or? I did. Okay. Yeah, because a lot of, okay, in my opinion, a lot of people who are homophobic I don't know, seem a little gay to me. You're not wrong. Okay. I, I, that's coming from me, not as a clinician, but from me as just a, a regular person. Observing yeah. the human experience. Yeah. It just, especially when you're over the top, right? It's like, what are you overcompensating for? I get it. I mean, people are religious, you know, whatever. But at the same time, hmm. I've gotten some feedback about the song. Okay. A lot of people like it, but so, uh, but then uh, there's some comments that are essentially like it minimizes the like um, uh, the harm, the violence to the LGBTQIA plus community or like homophobia is a systemic culture of inequality. And we're going to singing the song blames it on gay people rather than the straight people who are enacting the laws that keep inequality in place or like continue to perpetuate the culture. I'm a little bit tuned out. <laughs> you were talking because it was so much. It was a lot. It was like I. Oh, I'm just. Those are the comments yeah, that no, I. No, no, I get yeah. it. That's a lot. It's a lot. It, but and I kind. So do, did you hear anything? <laughs> I did, but I all I was like, I just think like I know, but it's it's like funny. Exactly. You know, like it's fine. We're giggling. It's funny. It's not like I understand everything you said and everything everyone else is saying, and I also think like there's also a time to laugh about. Anything, Anything and everything. Yes. You know? I do want to know, like, is there actual, actually a psychological explanation to that theory that, like, someone would be hateful towards something that they are personally repressing? Well, internalized homophobia. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Being gay can be a hard life. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think a lot of people will fight against it, hoping that it's not true or trying to make it not true because it can be a hard life or their parents or whatever. This guy... When I picture the guy that he's talking about that's, like, sticking his finger up his butt, I picture – like, I wasn't picturing that whole thing, <laughs> but I picture, like, the jock, right? Yes. And yeah. I don't – and I – in, like, movies, like, the jock's dad would not be happy with that. True. Right? I loved how he was so timid about being, like, I don't know how to phrase this, like, pleasuring himself, just jerking off. I don't know. Like, <laughs> Whacking one out? Yeah, because then he was, like, straight for, like, finger up his butt. <laughs> I know like, that He part. wasn't, like, pleasuring himself. Finger up his butt. <laughs> Not just one. You had a few there. Oh my god. The like the lack of shame at that point yeah. in the secret. Yeah. I was like, okay. <laughs> That's a bold move for that guy to make. 
in the room with his friends. I would never. No. Mm-mm. I mean, even, okay, like he could jerk off, but like he had to really position himself he to like. He was moaning someone's name. That is intense. I Do want, you think he wanted to get caught? I mean, unconsciously. How could you not? I mean, maybe even consciously. I wonder whose name he was moaning. Was it one of the guys in the room? Yeah, maybe they were like involved in some way that the kid didn't know. Okay, so the consensus is if you're homophobic, you are probably gay, which is the lyric in the song, but you're not necessarily gay. No, and and I don't know that you're probably gay. You might be gay. Yeah. You may be. And do we assume that gay goes along with all the other acronyms? Or? Um, I don't know. I The song, I guess, speaks only to like lesbian gay. I don't know that if you're homophobic, you're probably pansexual. Like that doesn't fit. I feel like... I did what you said when I was growing up because I, I I guess I identify mostly with pansexual and like growing up, I pushed against it and like did things to be like, look, if I'm doing this, right. I'm not gay. Right. So I'm sure people who are hateful might have that same thought process. Yeah. That's not how, what I did. Right. I was like hurting myself more than anything. Right. But I could see where it would come from. Right. Because if you express it enough, then like, see, it's not true. Yeah. It's funny. Sometimes when I'm really loud about stuff, I go... Why am I being so loud about this? Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the thing is like, and also when when we see something that we don't like about it in someone else, it's usually about us. Yeah. I'm dealing with one of those right now. Like right this second? Yeah. No. <laughs> I hate you. Have you heard if you spot it, you got it? No. Whoa. Amanda, can they hear your yes, voice? Yes, they can hear Okay. Me. No, that's a good one. I like that. But thank you for answering that question. Yeah. I needed to know if you're homophobic, you're probably gay. And the answer is no. Mm, no. Nah. <laughs> but we can sing it because it's a good time. It's a great song. Yeah. Are you going to, if I send you the I'm, MP3, will you listen? It's in my head now. <laughs> okay. And which is kind of a problem. You've got mail. The next segment is our written submissions. Mm. So I'm going to um, performatively read them for you. Okay. Seems like I'm performing for you a lot. Well, I'm going to not look at it and just... And let me... Let you perform. Okay. Okay. I don't know why I'm telling you this. It's just been getting hard to keep it to myself. I believe I have developed sexual preferences from seeing my dog die. In 2019, my family dog passed away in front of me. Seeing a dead body awoke something in me. Hmm. Seeing her struggling to breathe, blood bubbling out of her nose, she died. <laughs> Sorry, the, the, the way they wrote it. Um, it was late in the evening and the vets were closed. My dad left the body in the garage and everybody went to sleep. Well, not everyone. I snuck into the garage and laid with the body for about an hour taking photos of photos of the body i still look at the photos not because it's a dog but because it's a dead body even my unconscious mind thinks about it i have dreams about it two times a month my last dream i stalked my favorite actor he's hot and followed him home i then snuck in through his window and strangled him the murder dream quickly turned into a sex dream i will not go into more details but i will say i woke up with the evidence it makes me so upset as I cannot legally fulfill my sexual desires. Did watching my dog die mess up my sex life forever? Probably. The worst part is that I got horny from writing this. When I get really horny, I want to kill animals. Whew. Though I would love for it to be a human. 
But when I need pleasure, I will place a small mouse trap in the shed. The mouse trap is small, and I can then put it in another container. When in the container, I make sure the mouse gets out of the trap, quickly pull, mice jump, out once the tub is completely full. I put tape over the hole so no water gets out. I then watch and wait while jerking myself off as this mouse slowly drowns. I'm so sorry to everyone. I understand it's not right, but it gets me so horny. These mice are invasive. I understand you will tell me to get help, but I am too embarrassed for my family to know any of this. Also, please don't report me to the FBI as I have not done too much illegal things, just killing invasive mice. Please also don't leak my email or my pictures. Anyways, love your vids. Who picked this one? Just, just wondering. <laughs> Why is it Why? too heavy? It's, I mean, it's a, it's a lot. It's bad. It's a lot. I mean, I want to say let's not have judgment, bad or good, but I, yeah, it's. I mean, if someone's hurting anything. Yeah, it's not great. That's for sure. Um, there's so much to unpack here. <laughs> First of all, don't know why the FBI would be involved. Just don't worry about that. Because <laughs> <laughs> would not happen. There was the last part where it said something about hurting animals, although I wish it were humans. Yeah. Was that like in their dream they wished they were hurting humans or my perception of what they were saying was that like the when they're doing it to the mouse they wish that it would oh. be a human okay so i'm hearing some maybe uh, homicidal ideation and some potentially sociopathic tendencies and so it, you know i i would say yes get help you don't have to tell your parents what's going on help. at all to get help. Um, any therapist will either, you know, hopefully not judge and will be able to help you or will direct you to someone who can specialize in things like that. And definitely before it escalates, I would say. Yeah. I do not know if it was triggered by the dog. I wanted to ask you about that. But I have so many different thoughts. This is like super – there's a lot going there's on. There's so much here. This person is – um, must feel some shame about it if they're submitting it as a secret, which like implies that they probably don't want to feel this way. Yes, I don't think they do. I've I've worked with pedophiles before. I this is not about a pedophile, but just I feel like most people think that's as bad as it can get. Yeah. Um, and ninety eight percent of them don't want it to be the way it is. Like hate it about themselves, just are horrified. So maybe this person feels the same way or I don't think they would have submitted it if they didn't feel that way yeah and if they they don't want to tell their family they don't have to yeah so you just it's like a matter of um nipping it in the bud is that the expression as quickly as possible I would say yeah and you know mice might be invasive also I don't think drowning them is the answer I actually love mice. I used to have a pet mouse. So this makes me really sad. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot. <laughs> it was a very descriptive detail of the, the mice too. You said that you don't think that what happened was a result of the dog dying. You know, I'm not sure. I mean, I think the, whatever tendencies are there are definitely, there's a predisposition and maybe they were like awakened by the dog. Probably would have come out at some point anyway, I'm yes. guessing, because I think it it opened an opportunity, right? Like, I don't know that it was because the dog died, but I think it opened an opportunity for 
most people don't have like dead carcasses next to them on the regular, right? So it allowed that to happen. So, okay, I've heard this idea that a lot of sexual fetishes do come from trauma. And so when I hear this, I'm like, oh, there's an example of that happening. Like in order for this person to process this trauma, it can't, it turned into this. T- to me, that would mean that there was like no predisposition or like something came right. before. Yeah. There's a lot of different theories for sure. Um, and I think a lot of them are possible. I think for sure there's a lot that happens when somebody has experienced sexual trauma, especially as a kid in terms of you know, what they end up doing growing up or how their future relationships are or addiction, self-harm, whatever it is. Um, But I do think a lot of it can happen even without trauma. Just because you're, it's a part of who you are, like naturally? Yeah, I mean. I I have found (laughs) that there are like certain times in my life where certain things oddly appeal to me and I can directly relate it to an issue that I have. Okay. So- I guess I'm just speaking from – do you want me to tell you? Yeah. Do you have an oh example? Oh, my God. Okay. You don't have to give a – Oh, my God. I can. I'm just like, do I want to? Okay. I'll I'll be, like, kind of broad Big. about it. Okay. Yeah. So I, I have a history of sexual trauma, mm-hmm. like, abuse. And for me, there was a while where, like, the idea of being, like, taken advantage of was right. – was, hot to me and and I don't I didn't like that and it felt wrong and so then I was like okay well this comes from my trauma right which is probably very true and very accurate and I think someone can have that in their life without having it come from sexual trauma so this is similar to if you're homophobic you might be gay but not probably right if you have a, a fetish it might be a trauma, but not probably. Not necessarily. Okay. Yeah. And I think the more open people are about like certain fetishes and stuff, there's such a continuum. So like I dated a guy once that had a total foot fetish, or at least with my feet. Um, <laughs> and do I think like, is that different than this type of fetish? Yes. yes, for sure. The other thing is about trauma. There is a thing called invalidation trauma, which is basically trauma from being invalidated. And so trauma doesn't have to be what we think of it as typically, right? It doesn't have to be something that happened physically or emotionally, like in terms of like horrible emotional abuse in the way we typically think about it. It can just be invalidation. Seemingly subtle. Yeah. Or like gaslighting, right? Yes. If you could tell I had a, a like a reaction to you saying that, it's because yeah. like literally last week my therapist, who you know, um, sent me a form on invalidation trauma, and yeah, I didn't realize that that could like be so uh, traumatic. Traumatic. Yeah. Yeah. How can this person most easily get help in a way that isn't exposing themselves to people they know, or even like kind of casting a net where they have to tell multiple people? Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, I would say with all the resources out there now, maybe something online. Yeah. They have even like apps, right, where you can reach out and get some therapy or you can do like a phone call and audio and not necessarily have to go in person. If you don't want your family to know, there's low cost therapies that you can find out there. And also if you're younger than 18, normally you need parents consent, people think, but you actually don't. Oh. So if you, if, yeah, look it up. And I'm sure all states are different. Okay, one more really quick question. Yeah. You said you dated someone with a foot fetish. Yeah. How'd you feel about it? 
you know what? I like I at first I had I was like and then he sucked on my toes and I was like, oh, yeah, I felt good. Yeah, I I don't disagree. Yeah. I also have pretty feet, though. So so he may just have liked yours. Probably not. Probably Probably not. not. But if my feet were disgusting, I wouldn't have like probably enjoyed the maybe. Who knows? So don't knock it till you try it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's move on. I cannot get over my ex-therapist and I don't know why. Before I started therapy, I knew I had quite a lot of mommy issues and this already resulted in me getting attached to my history teacher. However, I got over this and when I started to really get attached to my therapist, I thought, when I would stop therapy, the attachment would leave. But oh my God, was I wrong? It's been a couple of months since I've last seen her, but she is on my mind every day. And I keep thinking about ways I could find out more stuff about her or go to spots where she might be. Or maybe I want to do that, but then I'm like, that's kind of stalkerish. So let's not do that. I have tried so hard to get rid of this and I'm so embarrassed by it. I tried talking about it with her as well. And she knows how attached I was and that I completely stalked her on Facebook, which resulted in her blocking me on Facebook, mm-hmm. LOL. Mm-hmm. Anyways, I may see her this summer after exams because she told me we could hang out then, but only if I'm not attached to her anymore and I don't know what to do because my attachment is not leaving anytime soon. How do I let go? I'm literally out of ideas. Oh, I'm sorry. Also, what? Like that therapist is, that's not okay. The the let's hang out? No, the let's hang out as long as you're not attached. Really weird. So many things not okay about that, if you're listening. (laughs) Probably not, but. Yeah, but no. And um, it's really normal to get attached to your therapist. You know, the idea is mommy issues are not like sometimes if, if you do have, you know, a lack of a female figure in your life, therapists can sort of provide that for you. And it's normal once you're being so open and honest and vulnerable with someone to get attached to them for sure. Whether you have like pre-existing yeah, issues. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you connect with somebody and and by the way, as a therapist, like I get attached to my clients sometimes and I totally miss them when they're gone. And I am not. That's beautiful. Oh, I know. Well, I'm not going to stalk them <laughs> for sure. That's good. Yeah. So I think there's a there's a line between really missing them and thinking about them a lot. And then how much do you feed into that? Right. So how much do you if you're thinking about them every day, are you doing anything to try to like interrupt those thoughts or are you feeding into it by stalking on Facebook and which is by the way like why me personally and most people I know don't let their clients be part of their social media Mm -hmm. um, because then it just becomes weird territory yeah and then also some clients you're like don't want them and then they're like why am I not you know, um, these clients are fine. These no, that good. <laughs> so yeah, that sucks. And I think just the idea that she's tried really hard to get rid of it and doesn't want to engage in it—that's like we're moving in the right direction. When I think about like DBT skills that she could use, mm-hmm. uh, the distract tool. Yep. So when it comes up, instead of stalking, like go do something else. One hundred percent opposite action. Right. Just trying to interrupt those thoughts. So like when you're having those thoughts, grab some ice. Right. When you're when you want to stalk, like go take a walk instead. Um, But maybe listen to music while you do it so you don't ruminate on the idea or the person. When you say grab ice, do you mean like the tip? 
the tip skill. Yeah, the yeah. tip skill. I'm sure a lot of people don't know that. Tell them. Me? Yeah. Okay, I'll try. Um, what you changing your body chemistry helps yeah. you alter y- y- the like your emotional experience. Mm-hmm. So if you're having like, a really hard time to like dunk your face in water or put ice on yourself. Yeah. I know some people even do it with hot, but hot doesn't help me as much as cold. Um, it'll help you kind of like enter a new headspace. Yeah. The reason cold works so well and, and uh, in DBT now there's a caveat that if you have any heart issues, don't do this. Oh, okay. So I just want to put it out there. <laughs> um, the cold water helps lower your blood pressure and your heart rate. It can. So that's why it sort of can calm you down and like if you're like at a 10. Um, but anything that like intense exercise, right, do 10 jumping jacks, something like that can really help just like snap you out of it or at least distract you for even if it's 10 seconds to interrupt that thought process so in essence it's just like don't feed it totally can i you cannot answer because you probably might not be able to but have you ever had like stalkery issues as a therapist i have and can you give any information or would that not make sense it probably wouldn't make sense but i i I will say it's like having the compassion and the non-judgment and also like it feels very uncomfortable you know, and nobody wants that. No. And so trying to find that boundary and also safety and, you know, but yeah, it's. Yeah. And obviously talking about it is not the move in terms of this specific subject. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Let's invite them to. Probably not. Yeah. Let's bring it on and see how. And by the way, it was in the past, I hope. Yeah. <laughs> as far <laughs> as I know. I'm really curious, but I will move on. I, I will respect your boundary. Thank you. I went to Las Vegas for a few days. My friends and I kind of didn't want to walk the hour back to the car, so we tried to take the back way through the casino. Well, we get to the back and realize that we're on some back road. No big deal, right? Wrong. We're walking down the street, and there on the side of the sidewalk was a man. He had his full dick and balls out and was masturbating right there. I loved your little... Oh. <laughs> it was fucking nasty. He looked my friends right in the eye. By the way, I'm a lesbian, so this shit just traumatized me. Anyways, moral of the story, don't look to the sidelines in Vegas. I mean, this is a pretty big macroaggression. Yeah. I don't know that because she's a lesbian, it was any better or worse. I don't think that makes a difference. Um, but it's not something I would ever want to see anyway. Dicks and balls are just not attractive mm-hmm. to me. Just FYI. <laughs> like, not that I don't enjoy them, but I don't want to see them. When you choose to enjoy them. When I choose to enjoy them, I still don't want them, like, r- in my face. They're just not that attractive. You know? <laughs> or maybe in my face, but, like, eyes closed. <laughs> I'm just oh saying. Oh, my God. It's, like, a, a necessary evil. It is. It is. <laughs> it is. I mean, women's bodies are so much more attractive, and there's no, yeah. like, protruding parts. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They're just it's, not. Men's bodies, can they're invasive. They are. And don't get me wrong. Like, all the other parts of men, I find, but just the dick and balls. I don't know that any guy looks at their dick and balls and is like, wow, this is this is hot. I actually know. I don't think you're right. I could be wrong. <laughs> just like an appendage. It's weird. Yes. <laughs> just saying. So how does someone even validate an experience like that when you're – when you come out of it being like, wow, that was really fucked up, you know, but it, nothing really happened, I guess. Yeah, it is hard. I think, again, there's a continuum. Whatever your own experience is, is what's important. Yeah. Something and you may click and just be like, holy shit. And maybe it triggers a lot of other things. Mm-hmm. Do I think that seeing someone flash you 
it's on a different continuum, I think, than like being raped. Yes. Um, but I also think if you've never been raped, the f- that that's your own trauma is being like flashed or whatever. Right. But I think anything that's upsetting is it's upsetting to you. So it's validated. It's totally valid. We're all valid. We are. All of our thoughts and feelings are valid. You sound like you're not sure about you look like you're not sure about that. Okay, there are invalid it, when Thought. something is not a fact, it's invalid. Yes. Right? Like I'm not gonna validate the fact that you think that the world is flat. Like Yeah. No, it's not. <laughs> it's just not. I mean, as far your as we know. Feelings are valid. Your feelings are always valid. Yeah. Your thoughts? Not not necessarily. Not necessarily. Yeah, often. And also something that you learn in DBT is that feelings aren't facts. Yep. But the fact that you're feeling it is valid. We don't say the fact that you're feeling it. Just feel Oh, because I'm using the word fact. Yeah, because that's confusing. kind of confusing. Yeah, feelings are always valid. So, but feelings, you want to check in with yourself. Is it a fact or a feeling? Well, I'm feeling sorry that you got flashed. I know. Sorry you're traumatized. And also, don't look to the sidelines in Vegas. Oh, the side, like to the side. Basically, just like close your eyes if you're in Vegas. <laughs> That's what I do when I go to haunted houses. I wear a sweatshirt backwards. That's what I'm going to do if I ever go to Vegas. Why would you go in a haunted house if you hate haunted houses? I don't anymore. But when I was in high school, I like wanted to be involved. Oh. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then. Yeah, I don't like haunted houses. Me neither. It's like, why am I putting myself through this? I don't even watch horror movies. Great question. Yeah. Think about that. Whoa. What do you mean? I'm just saying. If you hate it and you put it. Why are you putting yourself through it? To be, uh, I don't know, uh, to be accepted by others. To fulfill the second, is it the second most important Maslow's hierarchy of needs? Of, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'll work on that. Okay, Meredith. I'm just saying, don't do it. <laughs> okay, this is our last uh, segment of uh, secrets today. I'm going to read you a secret and we're going to get on the phone with this person. Right. Okay. So think about, I don't know, what you want to know. I was groomed by one of my teachers at high school. When I was a sophomore, I was 14. The first class I had of the day was current events, so that's the first place I went. The teacher was super friendly and really cool. I was having trouble at home, so I kind of latched onto this teacher, and since I was 14, I fell in love with him. He was 49 when we met, just a warning. I obviously was like, there's no way he'll ever like me back. That Christmas, I gave all my teacher gifts because my parents were teachers, and I know how thankless being a teacher can be. After I did that, he brought me a Christmas gift, telling me that his Parents always taught him to give gifts to people who gave them to you. I thought this was sweet, but not like romantic necessarily. Then he just started bringing me random gifts throughout the school years, like CDs and stuff. On the last day of my sophomore year, he told me to come see him before I left because he had a gift for me. I was like, oh my God, maybe he does like me. I went to see him and he had made me a mixtape. It was a CD with 10 or so songs that he thought I needed to hear. I told him that he was going to make me cry. He told me not to cry and that it should tide me over until we could see each other again. I listened to that album over and over again. Then I had him again my junior year he was my last class of the day that year but things continued on like the previous year he gave me gifts and i would stay after school and organize his classroom to spend more time with him i was in heaven having his attentions i'm a bigger girl so no one had ever paid romantic attention to me christmas break came around and i gave my teachers gifts again he gave me the worst wrapped present i ever seen but it made me smile because it was him like that was him embodied as a wrap job what does that even like he was a fucking mess <laughs> like what 
There were three albums inside and a note saying that he was browsing a used music store and found these albums that would be perfect for me. I couldn't believe that he was thinking about me outside of school, too. Everything was perfect. I was on cloud nine. Then we came back from Christmas break and I got pulled into the principal's office and I was asked if I was having an affair with this teacher because they were hearing rumors. I immediately denied it and burst into tears. It wasn't technically an affair because it was never physical. I was told I wasn't allowed to talk or see talk to or see him anymore and I was devastated we had a meeting with my parents and he blamed the whole thing on me saying he had always had a wall between him and his students and that he'd never that he'd never cross so I dealt with everything alone being bullied every day because of these rumors it took me almost four years to admit to myself that I was groomed slash abused and that he had had he not gotten caught I might have slept with him no repercussions ever came to him, just me. He still works at the school. I have been carrying this around with me for almost five years. Sometimes I think I'll never get over it. Anyways, that's my story. There's probably typos in this. I'm shaking, typing this out. So I apologize. Wow. Wow. That's heavy. That is. That's intense. I'm sorry that happened to her. Well, we're going to talk to her. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's talk to her. Hello. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. This is Meredith. Hi. Hi. Nice to meet you. You too. <laughs> She's our therapist. So for all the areas where I, I'm not qualified to speak, she, Meredith can help us. Okay, well, I've never actually talked to a, therap a therapist <gasps> about this at all. So we'll see. This is the first professional opinion I'm getting. <laughs> wow. Okay. That's okay. good. Okay. That's important. Okay. Well, we just, we read your secret. Yeah. First off, I'm really sorry that that happened to you. Yeah. No, horrible. Yeah. And you've never talked to a therapist about it. Have you ever seen a therapist before and just never mentioned it? Um, I have, and I did mention it, just not oh. to the full extent. I just okay. said like, oh, this guy that I'm like dating, because at the time I had not yet accepted and or realized that it was grooming. <laughs> so I didn't want to be like, it was my teacher. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Also, it. It's reportable. Well, the school knew and they did nothing. So I guess. Oh, that's great. Wait, so <laughs> I I do have a lot of questions. And by the way, if we ever veer towards a territory that you don't want to talk about, just let us know. Yeah. Oh, I don't think that'll happen, but I sh for sure will. All of it started when with gifts, like basically just exchanging gifts. Yeah, pretty would much. Would you say? And then. Well, yeah. Like I had him for two classes in my sophomore year. So I had him first hour and seventh hour. So the first hour of the day and the last hour of the day. Um, and I was like, oh, that guy looks cool. And like, I've always been close with teachers because my parents are teachers. So like, I try to appreciate them in a way that most students don't. And that's kind of how it started. Do you feel like he was, he, so he was receptive to the fact that you were showing appreciation is what you're saying? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> And he was, you said he's 49? He was 49 when it started, yeah. Okay. Were there moments at the time where you sensed that things were maybe, like, uncomfortable or wrong? Or was it hard to see in, in the moment? I didn't feel like it was wrong at all. Yeah. Um, I just felt like this is like something special to me because I'm a larger girl. So no guys had ever paid attention to me before. And so when I started getting this positive attention from an older guy who was interested in me, it wasn't like, this is like very red flaggy. It was like, oh my goodness, someone actually has an interest in me. And you said though, 
um, that you had never had anyone have romantic interest in you. So did you realize or think that this was romantic interest coming from your teacher? Yeah. What gave you that feeling? Um, like, it wasn't immediate. It wasn't really until the end of my sophomore year when he made me that mixtape mm-hmm. and was like, don't cry like we'll see each other soon, that I was like, this might be reciprocal here. Did he give off the impression that he thought it was wrong? Like, was he kind of suspicious about giving it to you? Was there like an no. el- essence of hiding? No. Nope. Mm-mm. Was the Not in the beginning anyway. The mixtape was very secret. But like the beginning, like Christmas gifts were not like really. But then it got more secret. Yeah. Like the last gift he ever gave me, he was like, you need to come to my room before Christmas break so I can give you this thing. Was that the mixtape? No, he gave me the mixtape the end of the first year we were like involved. What was the last gift he gave you? Um, he had gone to a used record store near where we live and picked out, like hand picked out three different albums that were perfect for me. He wrote this like note that was like, I was browsing through the store and saw these things and thought perfect for you. Um, and sorry for my generic gift because I had said that giving CDs was generic because that's what I had done for multiple gifts. What what was on the mixtape? Yes. A lot of early 2000s pop punk music. Okay. <laughs> nice. Like Bowling for Soup. There was some uh, like Alkaline Trio on there, some Bad Brains, that kind of stuff. Because that was the kind of music he liked and the kind of music that I liked. And so mm. he like made me this like 10, 12 like song mixtape and he told me he wanted to make more but his computer wouldn't work so so they weren't like romantic songs but it was like you guys shared this interest that he was expressing with you they weren't romantic in the in the like traditional sense where it's like i love you and i but like there's the one bowling for soup song where they're like all i wanted was to see her naked that was on there oh that's really inappropriate (laughs) that's really bad (laughs) So we've talked a lot about the gifts. Like, I'm kind of curious about, like, the energy that you guys exchanged when you were in school. Like, what was your dynamic like during a regular school day? Well, I would, after school every day, I would go to his classroom and straighten all of his desks and all of the journals because he had these bins of journals and I really didn't like it when they looked ugly. Mm -hmm. And we would have, like, these after school kind of clandestine moments together. It was never physical because obviously it was grooming. He was waiting until I was 18. Um, but we would just like, you know, like hang out and talk about things that you probably shouldn't talk to your student about. Like what? Like just like his personal life and like all of his problems and just like things that a 14 year old shouldn't be having to deal with. Did you leave high school before you turned 18? Yes. I was 17 when I graduated. Okay. And you guys stopped talking or? Well, when I was a junior, after we had gotten back from Christmas break, someone or rumors had been spreading around that we were sleeping together. And so I got called to the principal's office about this. And obviously then the contact was cut off and he just blamed everything on me. Was there any part of you that when you heard the rumor that you were sleeping together, that it felt like special to you? or Not that we were sleeping together because I'm asexual. So I was like, that's not anything I was interested in. But the fact that other people were spreading it around, like it was important enough gossip to be spread around the school was interesting. Like a different experience than you've had before. 
Yeah, for sure. It was very strange. I feel like I'm, I personally, if I was in this situation, I would almost have felt like validated that yeah. the re- about the relationship. Yeah. Because other people saw it. Well, yeah, I like I was going to say that like other people like knew that he treated me special and would like bring it up because a lot of other girls in the school had a crush on him as well. But none of them were treated the way that I was. And so they were all kind of jealous of me because like I was better than them. Wow. What type of stuff do you think people saw that gave them that impression? Like, was it the way he spoke to you in class? Yeah. And like the interactions outside of class, like I said, like after school and whatnot and like before school, sometimes I would go and hang out with him. Um, and like people knew about the gifts. They like, it wasn't a secret. Uh, so they, and I guess there was one time where they were watching some movie in class and the woman's name is similar to my name, but not my name. And he said my name instead of hers. And everyone was like, that's not right. And he just wow. not listen to them. Wow. Interesting. <laughs> so... <laughs> He blamed you. Were you guys, when you, the conversation was had, were you face to face? Like in the about, same room when he got in trouble or got fired or? Um, yes, we met with my parents. So it was your day. parents, you and him and the principal. And the principal. Yeah. Wow. It was a piece of shit, by the way. Yeah, it sounds it. Yeah. <laughs> and what he just basically was like, I have boundaries and it's her, like, it's her that created the issue? Yeah, he said, I have a glass wall between my students and I've never crossed it. So that would be like, yeah. I mean, as a therapist, there isn't, I we can't ever say like, you're the most special to me or like treat them, to, you know, or, or be friends with them or something like that. Like that sounds like mm-hmm. a figure of authority, right? He should be treating you like everyone else, basically. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all have our favorites, yeah. but, like, you don't show it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and this was next level, obviously. I have a question for you, which is when you were having this conversation in in the principal's office, it seemed like everyone was invalidating the fact that he was participating in this relationship. Did your parents take your side? My parents knew that about the gifts and knew the way that he treated me and knew that um, it wasn't just me. So they just wanted to make sure that there was no like physical abuse happening in the situation, but they did, they did know that we didn't sleep together. So it wasn't really an issue. But it felt like they were able to like validate more than the principal was that. Well, yeah, because the principal was a lot more biased than my parents in the situation. And this, this teacher had worked there for 30 years at this point. So like he had been grandfathered into the whole Mm. thing. Yeah, my bad. He didn't get fired. He still works there. Yeah. Oh, yes. He still works there. Wow. There was no physical contact, so they technically no crime was committed, and nothing happened to him. Everything came down on my shoulders. Did you show them the gifts that he had given you and the note and everything? Oh, yeah. My parents knew all about it. Did you show the principal? Oh, no. He knew about it, though, because I didn't have them with me. Like, we had this... like. There were parent-teacher conferences, and I had asked the principal, like, did you want to meet with my parents? And he's like, yeah, sure, whatever. So I hadn't prepared for any of this. Oh. So I didn't have them with me. Like, I, it wasn't like, we're going to have a meeting this day at this time. Bring what you need to bring. It was, like, very spontaneous. Yeah, but if a principal was doing their job right, it, the conversation would have continued, and they should have asked yeah, to have well, seen it. Yes, for that's sure. A whole other, that's a whole other jar, can of worms, unfortunately. 
Well, it sounds like now you're able to say that you and acknowledge you said it took you four or five years, though, to to come to terms with the fact that you were being groomed slash abused. Well, because my after it all happened and after I had graduated from high school, like obviously I was still traumatized by it. I was still really struggling. And whenever I would bring it up, everyone would be like, you're just being dramatic about it. Like you're none of this like happened to you like why can't you show us proof if it did happen to you so for a long time I was like this is probably just in my head like nothing really bad happened to me and then like I kind of grew up and I started working where I work now and they're all like no that was literal abuse traumatic validation we were just talking about this you want to tell her because it was really helpful for me to know what it is well traumatic invalidation there's trauma that isn't what people typically think of as trauma, but the fact that these people were invalidating your experience, that in and of itself is trauma, right? So traumatic invalidation, just after it all happened, just being told that what happened was basically all in your head or you were just being dramatic. It's horrible. Yeah, it but was not fun. I, it sounds like you've come a long way in like, accepting it, which is really good. I've tried because I don't want to let him have that kind of control over me anymore. Yeah. Because for for so long, it was like I would do anything for him. I would have done anything he asked me to do. Mm. And I can't say 100% that I might not if he just came up to me today and was like, hey, do this thing for me. But I know that like in my heart now, it's like I wasn't the one doing anything wrong. It wasn't my responsibility to make sure that wasn't happening. It was his. And it's good to recognize that too. And that's honest, by the way. That's totally honest to say. I don't know if that would mm-hmm. if that would happen yeah. again. Well, and I haven't had any romantic experiences since then either. So that's kind of like my only like baseline for what romance is supposed to be like. So I haven't really had anything to replace what I think romance should be like. Well, and you said that that you so sexual and romantic, so you're asexual, but in when it first started happening, did you have like a crush on him? Yes, absolutely. I had a crush on him and I thought that it would never go anywhere because he was a teacher and why would it? (laughs) So if he wanted to, do you think you, you said you might have slept with him if it had continued? In your written submission. Yeah, I feel like I might have just to appease him. Yeah. Because like I said, everything mattered like he was the only thing that mattered like I didn't care how I felt it was like how he felt like even when the rumors were happening I was like I don't really care what people are saying about me I want to know if you're okay which is so unhealthy (laughs) so at the time you already knew you were asexual yes okay so this wasn't so people may ask like we were talking about before is that something that may come out of a trauma like your asexuality isn't a result of this no. experience. You knew that before. Yeah, no, I have never had any sexual desire with okay. anyone ever. Okay. So, so okay. romantic, it wasn't just not because sexual. Of him. Right. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Have you seen him since all of this happened? Because you still went to that school, no? And I mean, if you live in the same area, maybe, I don't know. In the first couple of years before I had come to terms with the fact that it was abuse, yes, I did go see him a couple of times. Um, And the first year after I was out of high school and I was in college, I did go see him for parent-teacher conferences for my brother. And when I saw him, he was so excited to see me. And he gave me this enormous hug, which set me back 
lots of steps in my progress. Jeez. So, and then um, I went to visit the school one day, but the principal kicked me out because I was an insurance liability. Um, so he sent me crying in high heels on the ice, walking to my cousin's house. Any thoughts about what he could be doing to other girls? I worry about it every day. My cousin goes to school there and she has him next year. Oh, and I told her, I said, if he does anything even remotely creepy, I will come after him. You tell me and it will be over. Jeez. I worry about it every single day. It scares me to death. It's got to be really hard. But you know that's not on you. I mean, I, it makes sense why you would worry about it. But I don't know if you worry in a oh, place that yeah. you feel like there's responsibility because there isn't. No, I don't feel that way. I just, um, it just worries me a lot because I wonder about people before or after me that didn't talk about their experience. Yeah. Because like I said, for a long time, it was like, I only cared about how he felt. So I never talked about it in person. And I actually consider not doing this because I didn't want to damage his reputation. And I'm like, you know what? F that. No. <laughs> Good job. Yeah. I'm so glad you did. It feels like you've been silenced for so long. And I was excited to read this or to have you agree to come on because you deserve to be heard and validated. Yeah. I wrote and published a poetry book about it when I was in high school. Oh, wow. But whenever people read it, they're just like, oh, she broke up with her boyfriend and she went crazy. But there's so much more to it. Yeah. Because I just read a review like last week about it. And this guy was like, she went nuclear unstable. And I was like, I wish that I just went nuclear unstable because I broke up with my boyfriend. Are you serious? <laughs> How does it feel talking about it now? Um, I talk about it a lot with my coworkers because it does come up a lot here because um, I'm a librarian. And so I read a lot of teacher-student books because I'm searching oh, wow. for myself in them. Oh, wow. um, uh, so we talk about it quite a bit here. But I, I'm still a little afraid that you guys are going to be like, that's stupid. Shut up. Like, that's still kind of how my brain works. But, like, I've watched Alex for, like, four years. So, like, I know that's not how it's going to be. Just my brain is, like, they're going to say that you're stupid and that this is something you shouldn't even be worried about. Yeah. We call those cognitive distortions. These are ideas mm -hmm. that, like, you're going to have, that you're mind reading of what we're going to think, right? You can check yeah. in with us and ask. And we don't I, think that. I don't. Do you? Well, no. now that I'm sitting here, like, not. talking to you, I'm yeah. not worried about it. But, yeah, like, before, good. I was, like, they're just going to be, like, this is your story, really? And then just hang up. <laughs> well, that makes sense based on everything you've went through yeah. that you would feel that way because everyone shut you down. Mm -hmm. No, your experience and feelings are valid no matter what. And we were talking about that, like, you know, I'm not, mm -hmm. I'm not a starving kid in Africa, but I will never be. And that doesn't mean my own situation isn't as important, you know, because it's mm -hmm. happening to me in the moment. So... Yeah. You can't and compare A lot of people yourself. have made me felt, feel like because it wasn't physical, that the abuse wasn't as bad as other people who go through physical abuse. So I had felt and kept that close to my heart for a really long time that you weren't physically abused, so you don't get the right to complain about it. And I'm just kind of coming around to the idea that that isn't true. Because I read a book where um, in the end they said it doesn't have to be physical to be abused. And I was like, wow, that is the first validating sentence I have ever read about this. Oh, God, no. <laughs> and that's horrible that, you know, and, and by the way, these days, well, I think there are certain schools that would certainly have taken into consideration everything that you're talking about and that he would have gotten removed from the school. Yep. For sure. 
and that it didn't yeah. happen at yours because it wasn't physical is bullshit. Well, and it's a very small town, and he's the principal of that school is very, very, very um, concerned with appearances. So I think he just wanted to brush it off as a teenage crush and not actually have to deal with the fact that he may have a child abuser uh, on his staff. It's so upsetting. And just like the way that <laughs> that painted you as like mm-hmm. just if I if I, I don't want to project onto you, but I guess if I put myself in your shoes, I would have felt like, oh, I'm I'm imagining this like I've made it up. Yeah, a horrible. Yeah. Like the the psychological I, trauma is very valid. Yeah, I definitely felt that way. Like I was like I have all of this physical evidence that this was something that should not have happened, yet everyone else is acting like I have just made this all up. So clearly none of this is what I think it is and I should not even be worried about it. What was your expectation when you submitted this? Was it to be did you think it was going to be part of like how do you do you guys tell the people ahead of time which part their submission is going to be in potentially no she i mean you just probably did you have did you want to talk to me when you submitted it do you think that was something that you thought would be kind of cathartic i wanted to talk to you because i love you <laughs> not necessarily because of the situation, but I definitely thought that this was a secret that might get your attention given your history and having a little bit of teacher thing yourself. So, <laughs> so this is nice for Meredith. I kind of like typed it in being like, Oh, wouldn't it be funny if like she saw this and I was in one of her videos, but it was never like my intention to be like on here with you. Like it wasn't like the sole mission of me submitting and you even doubted doing it because you didn't want to hurt his reputation. Yeah. Like, I submitted the secret, but I was like, there are so many other people that are going to be submitting secrets that this is just going to get buried and she'll never see it. <laughs> I hope the fact that we chose it validates what yeah. you have been invalidated from for years. You know, It definitely does. Like, it feels like someone finally believes what I have to say and that someone with such a large platform with so many things that you could have chosen other than me, it makes me feel like wow, maybe someone actually does give a shit about me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is a really terrible experience. And I, the second I saw that you gave your contact info, I was like, she needs to speak about it because <laughs> you weren't able to. Yeah, we're so yeah. glad that you did. And, and you know, maybe this is uh, something you'll take with you and I don't want to say pay it forward, but pay it forward a little bit by being there for someone else who experiences something well, and that's kind of why I also agreed when I was when I got the email last week because I was like, there are other girls, I'm sure that watch Alex that have situations like this. Yeah, and I'm sure a lot of them are suppressed the way that I am. So I thought maybe by talking about it, I could help somebody else. I'm, I'm sure, sure you have. There are people listening yeah. who appreciated this. Yeah. Before we go, I am curious if you want to plug your poetry book. Yeah, I would love to because his name's not attached to it at all. Yeah. It's called Writings of a Scarred Mind. You can buy it on Amazon. But there are typos. My name is spelled wrong in the book because I spelled it wrong. Okay. (laughs) And it was my senior project for high school. And it was kind of my way of like being like, hey, F you, teacher, I'm going to talk about this. Yes. And then, like, I made him come to my poetry reading and wrote a poem that was very specifically directed toward all of his behaviors. Wow. (laughs) 
because I was like, I hate you. Did he react to it? He just said I did a good job. I, I, I can't, I don't know if it's just because he's stupid or because he just didn't want to acknowledge it, but he was like incredibly dumb. And the fact that I even lowered myself to the level of being there like in love with a dude that's so stupid, like still like gets to me today. I'm like, this guy was so dumb. Are you serious? <laughs> like, you how go. did he become a teacher? He doesn't know anything. And yet I'm sitting here like in love with the guy when I'm smarter than him at 14. Because it's literally, <laughs> it's an abuse 14, of power. Yes. Yeah. So if you are interested in reading the book on Amazon, it's by Alicia Hollis. It was for a grade in school. Like, I had to finish it. It was also like, I have written all of these poems over all these years, just keeping everything I know to myself. And yeah, I feel like maybe now is the time for people to see it and to read it and to hear me. (laughs) Fuck yeah. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) Hell yeah. Thank you for sharing all of this with us. Yeah, no, I'm very excited and very thankful that you chose me because, like I said, I've been watching you for a very long time, and I really, really like the content that you make, and I think that you're an incredibly decent human being, and that, you know, sometimes it's hard to find, especially in content creators, so thank you. I'm really glad that we get to watch somebody like you. That genuinely means a lot, and I really just appreciate you being vulnerable and open with us, and I'm proud of you for, uh, like sharing your work and your experience after everything you went through especially at such a young age i mean you're already working through this and working on it and being aware of it at such a young age so yeah it's amazing kudos I'd rather not be aware but you know if i have to be might as well try and work through it yep it'll only help wow Aww. i'm proud of her i want to like Give her a big hug. Me too. That was amazing of her. I love that she shared her book at the end. So good. She was so authentic and vulnerable and open and willing. I also just like that, like validating that trauma doesn't have to be like the most extreme form. I feel like that's a theme of today. Yep. It, uh, it's valid in any form. 100%. And there's nothing worse than being invalidated when it is valid. I'm really, I hope this is cathartic for her and for other people. I feel like it will be. Me too. Go buy her a poetry book. I know. And I love that she's a librarian. I don't know that I've ever met a librarian that's not. At the library? Yes. <laughs> like, I was going to say that's not a librarian, but um, you know what I mean? Like that you didn't it's walk into so a library. Me. I know. Yes. I do understand what you're saying. Thank you. Like you don't, no one's ever, you don't like meet Go someone at a dinner. party. Yeah. Yes. Like, yeah. I know. but they should be we love you for that (laughs) keep it up okay so our last segment is called round of applause to celebrate all the people who were vulnerable and opened up to us and on top of uh celebrating that we want to give the audience a little something to make them feel better because obviously this was like a little yeah, intense so um i'm gonna put you on the spot right because i know you've got skills up your sleeve i do i want to give the audience something that they can do to either ground themselves feel mindful just feel better something that's mindful and can be help distract or put you in a different mindset is music and it doesn't have to be to be mindful or even like meditative. It doesn't have to be some super peaceful music. It can be anything, right? So you can listen to like 
some intent, like bad brains, for example. Do you even know who they are? No, but I'm okay. shaking my head. I'm like, sure. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I love them. <laughs> They're intense. So, um, but I think whatever music, it can be happy, it can be sad, it can be anything, but it can just be something that takes you out of a space that you don't necessarily want to be in anymore. But doesn't music sometimes put you further in it? Mm-hmm. It does. So you want to do opposite action. So you want someone that's happy to listen to sad music? <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm challenging you. They're probably not trying to get out of that state of mind, though. When you're in a bad state of mind. When you're in a not ideal, ideal, ineffective state of mind. Yeah. We so, don't need to use bad. Right. But, but the idea, though, is that if you're trying to be mindful, you can still be mindful listening to, like, some f- loud, crazy angry music, right? Because that's really soothing for some people. Yeah. So it doesn't mean that you have to do the opposite, like listen to opposite music. But if that can be soothing for you, then do that. Right? Does that make sense? I'm about 46% with you. Okay. So for me, I love really loud, like like Rage Against the Machine type stuff. Okay. And so... so cool. And so like <laughs> so, sorry, I just think it's cool. <laughs> so like even if I was in a spot where I'm like, oh, that sucked, I could still like drive, like I live off, you know, PCH, like drive down PCH listening to Rage Against the Machine. And it can like, you know, you can take your your anger or whatever you're feeling and you can use it in a cathartic making changes type of way right so you can be like this is not just this fucking sucks like i'm angry i'm gonna listen to this and like think about all the things i can do to make a difference okay help you feel it yeah okay so basically use music in whatever way helps you yes in whatever way okay so like i think music sometimes i forget about music even though i love it so much um because I read a lot, and so I kind of forget about it. And then when I put it on, I'm like, fuck, yes. That's cool, too. Yeah. <laughs> God. Um, yeah, music, music does. It's empowering. I was uh, really nervous because yes. this, this was my uh, one of my first episodes today, and I was nervous coming here, and I actively chose music that would help me feel empowered. There you go. So, well, that was the episode. Did you enjoy yourself? Yes, I did. <laughs> I had a good time. I so did. I want to be here all day, every day. This is so fun. As of right now, we are hoping to have you once a month. Yeah. If that's cool with you. I'll take it. I'll okay. Take you'll one. take what Maybe you Maybe not get. all day, every day, but I'll take once a month. <laughs> um, okay. Well, thank you to my co-host, Meredith Levy, for, for coming today. Me. So, so grateful. And thank you for all to all of you for listening. Don't forget to follow, rate, and review Revealing Your Secrets, the podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember, you are only as sick as your secrets, so send them to me. Go to castmedia.com slash secrets, that's cast with a K, to leave a voicemail or fill out the anonymous submission form at the bottom of my show notes. Today's episode of Revealing Your Secrets is a production by Cast Media. I'm your host, Alex Weiss, alongside our licensed therapist, who will be on the show once a month, Meredith Levy. Our producer is Amanda Elliott. Our executive producers are Colin Thompson and Harris Lane. Our editor is Patrick Carrion. Our technical engineer is Olivia Haas. And design and animations by Patrick Carrion. Thank you all again, and I will see you next week.
everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.